Welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast, powered by Goodwill. The Goodwill Drive to Victory donation drive returns this week at Perry and McKinley High Schools. The drive has combined for six and a half tons of donations so far. Hoover and Jackson won the challenge in earlier weeks, with each school earning a $250 scholarship. Look for Goodwill trailers set up at both McKinley and Perry throughout week nine to receive donations of clothes and housewares. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo and Cliff Hickman of The Rep, and we're here to look ahead to Week 9 for Stark County area football teams, and the big game we're going to open up with will be from the uh, Federal League, McKinley and Perry, as McKinley looks to wrap up an outright title, and Joe, uh, you've seen both teams uh, this year and talked to both coaches throughout the season. Um, this looked like it might be a huge game a couple of weeks ago when we thought they most both might come into this game unbeaten, but Perry has kind of had some tough times the last few weeks. What are you looking at in this one? Yeah, it took a little bit of a luster off of it when uh, Perry lost to Hoover and then lay last week, and, and I know they're banged up a little bit too, and, and McKinley isn't. So, um, you know, on the surface, you, you kind of expect McKinley to come in and, and probably get a double-digit victory, but, you know, this being the Federal League, there's always a couple of wacky games every year, and, and uh, certainly... Perry's had a lot of success against McKinley over the last few years and found a way to win games either by blowout or by close games. And so uh, I expect them to be at their best. But uh, yeah, I mean, on paper, it's it's not quite as interesting as it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think that's one of the maybe forgotten streaks that's going on right now. Is it three in a row for Perry uh, over McKinley? I, I think I only look back. I mean, since Dan Reardon's been at McKinley, he hasn't beaten them. And I know, uh, I, I don't know how much farther it stretches out than that, but uh, I would guess that's probably about it. What uh, when you've talked to Coach Wakefield in recent weeks? Is it just maybe Perry wasn't quite as good as its record early on that they've haven't changed as a team necessarily? They just had uh, some winnable games early and have had the tough ones of late. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple of things happening here. I think one of them is that that Perry doesn't have a lot of depth, so they got banged up, and and uh, so you know they don't really have that guy behind the guy that you maybe need in the federal league and. And the other thing is they just they're just not quite as big and as talented as they've been and and probably their biggest weakness is in the secondary and they've struggled against teams that can throw the ball and and even last week against Lake they gave up, you know, over 100 yards to a a, a sophomore that was making his first start. So um there's some issues there and and, and McKinley can beat you in so many ways um that it's it's going to be a pretty tough matchup. I think Perry's defense has to play a little bit better than they they've been playing lately. For McKinley, Elijah Curtis has had a great season at quarterback, and obviously that's not the type of thing that Perry wants to see right now. Um, how much better do you think he's gotten throughout the season? I mean, he got off to a strong start as it was, but it seems like he just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Some of that. <coughs> some of that. Excuse me. Is just that uh, as the guys around him get more experience and and kind of make the most of their talent, um, it just makes him so much harder to defend because. Um, you, you can't take away one thing from McKinley without giving up another. I mean, Kyrie Woody stepped in for an injured Jalen Ross for a couple weeks and was just the best wide receiver in town. And then Jalen Ross came back last week and and was you know over a hundred yards and, and had a couple touchdowns and and uh, so that, the more weapons around him, the harder it is for him to defend because even even in the first week when he was kind of the show. Um, Teams weren't stopping him, so they're certainly not going to stop him now. Lemire Garrett continues to be a, a, a real discovery for McKinley in, in the second half of the season. Obviously, he's been playing all year, but the second half of the season, he's really come on and, and become a, 
a go-to back that a, that a good playoff team needs to have. Yeah, he's he's fast and he's physical and he doesn't dance. He just finds a hole and if it's if it's there, he goes through it. And if it's not, he just tries to make one and puts his head down. And um, they're just a team that knows what they what they're good at and and they do it well and. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, they have some unfinished business here. They had a chance last year to, to improve to 9-0 and and win the Federal League outright, and, and they were up on Perry at halftime, and they didn't take care of business. So I'm sure that's in the back of their head. That, um, the, and, and it's kind of good, I think, for them to be able to focus on something like that rather than look ahead to what everybody else is in the county. We've talked a lot about McKinley's offense throughout the season with you know good reason considering the type of uh, explosive plays that they've been able to produce on that side of the ball. But I, I think uh, one thing we haven't talked a lot about is the defense where the McKinley had to break in a lot of new guys this year in different roles and some just flat out new starters. Now that they get the challenge of the Perry wing T that is obviously giving given McKinley problems in recent years. Uh, how do you see the Bulldogs faring defensively? Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, last week it was pretty clear early on that Glen Oak wasn't able to throw the ball against McKinley. And some of that was just, they were breaking in a, a, a another quarterback in Braden Fox, but that team is so fast and boy, they just, when they know that you can't throw it, you see that, uh, that defense just start racing downhill and boy, they can, they can cover a lot of ground real quick. So I, I think for Perry to have a chance, they, they not only need to get, you know, their run game going, but they're going to have to show that they can throw it so that at least guys aren't having like just rushing up to the line of scrimmage as soon as the ball is snapped. Look at some other games in just a moment, including the one I'm going to mention here, the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, October 19th, when Louisville hosts Maslin. Kickoff is 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, and Todd Porter provide the call each Friday night. And that's going to be a, a huge event for not just the football program, but kind of the whole city of Louisville as they get to host Maslin. First meeting two programs that have a lot of tradition. Uh, Maslin coming off you know the record-setting win last week. Louisville has been playing really well of late, though I don't think anybody really gives Louisville much of a chance in this one. Joe, what are, you, what are your thoughts on one, what the Leopards have to do to, to make it competitive and then kind of go from there to see if they're able to get any kind of upset? Well, they're going to have to score. I mean, I think that's the first thing they have to do, and that's obviously something they're good at. Um, they can really throw it around. They have a lot of different weapons on offense. But, I mean, we saw last week, you don't put up 101 points because you you know, you don't know what you're doing on offense. So, um, yeah, I think if they can score and, and maybe they can keep it a game into the fourth quarter, and who knows, but... Um, you know, it's a tough challenge just against this specific Maslin team. And I, I, I love this game, but I don't know if it's the best game this year for, for the Leopards. We're going to bring in Cliff Hickman right now to talk uh, about Louisville, a team he's uh, dealt with uh, this season a couple of times. And Cliff, what uh, what makes you think Louisville has a chance to do what Joe's talking about and being able to, to put points on the board? You're not going to win this game 7-6. to six. You're no, going to have to figure out a way to outscore them. 
I, I think the key point no one's talked about has been the development of the Louisville offensive line. They had four new starters in those spots at the beginning of the year. Uh, Coach John DeMarco told me it was going to take them some time to come together. And as you've seen by the results, they've been getting better and better. And that's tremendously helped the offense. Everything kind of flows from there with that system. So the offensive line is playing really well right now at a better level than they were at the start of the year. I think uh, quarterback Colton Jones, one of the most underrated parts of his game is he sees the field really well. Every week you're seeing four and five receivers catching passes. That's not something you see with uh, some teams. Sometimes you'll lock onto a target and just keep throwing at that guy. Doesn't seem to be the case. And then you have a a really versatile weapon like Max Hartline that is taking carries out of the backfield but is doing some stuff at wide receiver as well. they got to be careful how they manage him, of course. But uh, there are some weapons and some things are coming together. It's just a really tough task with the way Maslin's playing this season. Uh, you, you bring up an interesting point with the way they spread the ball around, Cliff. And, and I noticed in, in looking at some of our preview stuff for our Thursday first down section that will be in the repository, that uh, in the last three weeks during this current winning streak, they've got five receivers averaging more than 40 yards a game receiving. You'd be hard-pressed to find NFL teams that are getting that type of uh, productivity from five different guys. Heck, the Browns wish they were getting five guys with 40 yards a game receiving. The Browns Uh, take any more injuries, Chris. (laughs) You and I might be suiting up at wide receiver, and I'm sick. (laughs) I think they'll go to Louisville for receivers before us. (laughs) But but you you look at at that type of of production across the board, it it really speaks to the the way that Coach DeMarco is able to to find skill guys, develop them, and then – employ them use them and not like you pointed out fixate on that one or two guys oh exactly and that's it's hard to teach someone that too because some guys just at quarterback their vision just kind of goes to one spot and they're only good at one thing it speaks to the versatility and then you have a senior like uh, Bryce Maddy who was the quarterback who's now been playing wide receiver and playing it at a very high level he's been one of their leading receivers uh, he kind of lost his position to Jones last year broke his uh, I believe it was his collar bone really early in the season put him out for the year and uh, kind of took him out for basketball as well but uh, it's not often you would see a guy like that that not only doesn't make a big thing about losing a spot but then learns a whole new position uh, pretty quickly and, and starts really developing and producing big numbers and like you said they spread it around you've got heartline you've got uh, the tight ends have been getting involved that's always been a big staple of, of uh, John DeMarco's offense his tight ends are always excellent uh, excellent receivers i guess that's more the system too because they i don't know that they do as much like power block right they're not traditional tight ends they're basically receivers they're more slot receiver type uh, players but again you know it's you know it makes them tough to defend because i mean maslin of course has a lot of athleticism they may be able to match up with them better than than some teams but you run across other teams it's hard to have five guys covered you know, all game. Usually right. someone you think would have an advantage somewhere. And that's a – Joe, you can speak to this maybe. The Lake experienced that nightmare firsthand about week three or four when uh, it seemed like Colton Jones was firing at all cylinders and Lake just had no chance to, to defend everyone. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like Lake has bad athletes. They're just not quite as athletic as Maslin, and that's what right. you see. I mean, there's just – most teams can't match up, even a, a solid Federal League program. 
And, uh, you know, I, and, and from Maslin's standpoint, that's kind of a nice test because they're going to see something in McKinley's offense that's versatile and it spreads the ball around and it's kind of a good preparation. Whereas, you know, McKinley's preparing for the wing tee this week. And I don't think that Maslin's probably going to come out <laughs> in a whole lot of wing tee uh, in week 10. That would be a great rivalry surprise all of a sudden <laughs> if the Tigers showed wing tee in week, wing, week 10. You mentioned, though, this being good for Maslin. You know, we haven't talked about last week. I don't think we need too much that that game did not benefit them in the big picture of, of moving forward to try to win a title. This game, even if they do win by several touchdowns, should just because of what they have to defend. Because I'm imagining uh, throughout the playoffs, they're going to see some teams that can spread the field and, and have more than one or two playmakers, but can hurt you with four, five, six guys. Yeah, and I think the other part of it is just um, they haven't played on the road a lot. This is, a, I think, their second road game, and they're going to not just play on the road, but against a team that's going to have a lot of fans. And in Louisville, they're right up on, on you. There's no track to separate it. So I think that's going to help them down the line when they go to some playoff games where there's some crowds against them. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many Sun Valley fans were in the stands last <laughs> week, but I wouldn't think it's a lot. So, yeah, I mean, between the, the, the matchups they're going to see and just the atmosphere they're going to be in, I think this is a good preparation. And I think the other thing is, you know, they've taken some heat, including from me, about scoring 101 points. And it's nice to have a game like this that that is bigger than just um, you know one team, and it's kind of good for Stark County football in general. And and I think probably people are now ready to move on and talk about Mass and Louisville than anything that happened last week. It should be a great environment uh, for both teams, and just like you said, for Stark County football, another big road game for an area team, and this is a true road game. Hoover going to Columbus to play Hartley and. I don't know, you know when this schedule was set up if Hoover realized how big this game could be for it in Week 9, but this is a, a really big game for a good team that uh, probably has no room for error if it wants to play in Week 11. Yeah, I love this game. I think it's the perfect kind of matchup in that it's going to challenge them and, and benefit them if they win it. Um, you know, and... and, and the way the region seven and division two is set up this year that you can't get in at seven and three or eight and two necessarily by automatic, you know, you're going to have to earn it. And, and so you need to play some teams that are going to, that are going to get you those points. And Bishop Harley's a good division three playoff level team. And, um, you know, and the other thing, I mean, you kind of talked about this being a true road trip, the way region seven, it's kind of an Island of misfit toys. So you could end up going to Columbus in week one of the playoffs and uh, certainly, as the playoffs you know stretch on in, in that in that region, you know you might be having a, a neutral site in Mansfield or something like that. So it's good just to get that experience of taking a long bus ride and and getting used to what that involves. And and uh, yeah, I mean the way Hoover's playing right now, you got to think that they'll take care of business heading into to Week Ten against Jackson. But uh, good test for them. Yeah, Hartley has been a real strong team in recent years. Won a state championship a couple of years ago, and last year this was a really good game at Hoover that Hartley was able to to pull out but both teams uh you know really showed well in that one and I expect that to be a, a really tight game and it'll be interesting to see how Hoover takes its game up another level it's it, the last couple of weeks they've been favored pretty heavily and they've taken care of business and really pounded on some teams now this one will be a, a real test for them to keep that momentum going one other game we'll talk about uh, before we take a quick break is Jackson and Green uh, Jackson like Hoover kind of in a survival mode Joe yeah, I mean, both they can't afford to lose either. They're they're I think ninth in Division One, Region One, and and uh, it's not quite as brutal maybe as as Hoover situation, but um, 
you know, and Green is really struggling right now. I mean, just in terms of their depth. So I, I would imagine that that Jackson's going to come out and they've kind of developed into a power team and just look to, you know, kind of cram it down Green's throat and see if they can they can win it that way. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if Hoover and Jackson take care of business this week, that's a really fun matchup in Week Ten, and and certainly um, as good as anything on Friday night in Week Ten that we'll see. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive continues this week at Perry and McKinley High Schools. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. The Goodwill Drive to Victory has combined for six and a half tons of donations so far with Hoover and Jackson winning in previous weeks talk about two other games outside of the federal league first in the ebc and cliff will bring you back in and uh west branch and marlington we've been talking about this for several weeks coming up this stretch for marlington to end the season the dukes have kind of rolled through things since league play began now they've got uh, the big first of two big showdowns for them yeah west branch is probably in that second tier of ebc teams i think marlington alliance are probably the top tier and those are the two teams that have played the toughest competition this season i think marlington actually matches up really well with west branch chris Uh, west branch is a really run heavy team even early in the year against poland poland had trouble at times getting their running game going for big chunks against uh, marlington so west branch may find some pretty tough sledding there as they try to run against that front although there are some injuries we don't know about the status of Garrett Young Marlington's uh, best lineman has missed some time Travis Winuskis is back at linebacker but missed some time so there may be some injury factors there but I feel like just from what I've seen this season and the couple times I've seen Marlington that's a beneficial matchup for the Dukes how much do you think the Dukes have been pointing towards this? They haven't really shown the signs of a team overlooking anybody, but they had to have known what was ahead of them in Week 9 and Week 10. Oh, they, I think they're, you're always kind of aware of those games being on the schedule, even if you're not focused on them. And sometimes weird things can happen in a rivalry game, especially with as many injuries as, as there are. But the, the one thing about uh, – when you talk to coach Bo Balderson is he doesn't look overlook anybody. So I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to overlook this. I think all signs are kind of pointing to that week 10 Alliance Marlington showdown. I, I don't know that West branch has enough to kind of block that in any way. West branch had put up some big numbers this year and getting off to a six and one start lost last week to a really good West Holmes team on the road. That's about, you know, four and three, five and three. Right. So that's not and, like and, they were Right, they weren't blowing. They weren't like eight no or right. whatever. It was a good so. team that, that I know has, usually has a good offense. For, for Marlington, though, maybe the best player on the field will be uh, Himmelheber, Blaine Himmel- Himmelheber, who could line up virtually anywhere on the field. Yeah, it's he's had to play running back because the top two running backs have been injured at times this season. Anthony Sabatino had some asthma issues, and he's had his knee issue that's put him out. Travis Winuskis is the backup. He then hurt his ankle pretty badly, missed a few weeks. I don't know if he's 100%. I don't know if he's up for being part of the running game. So by necessity, he's been back there. Uh, the, the thing that it's done is opened up the wide receivers. You've seen Mar Mason really develop since Himmelheber's made 
mainly been in the backfield, although he does, Himmel Heber does spread out wide at times. Caleb McCartney was injured. You've seen him come back and have a lot of success in the passing game. Uh, Justin Broad is about set to play offense because he kind of broke his arm early in the uh, preseason, was in a cast. They've had him on defense the last couple weeks. He's uh, moved into the district from Maslin, so they are getting some weapons back offensively. Joe Scalzo going to jump in. I here. just have one quick comment. Uh, playing running back is empirically awesome. So, uh, I not that I'm not crediting Blaine Himmelhebert for doing that, but uh, <laughs> getting the ball like 20 times a game is sweet. Well, so. <laughs> not every running back is like Lake, where you get fed 40 times a game. Well, like you grew up watching, sometimes you're only getting it 15 times. Or, well, yeah, or if you're Duke Johnson, you don't get it at all. I want to see. I want to see Blaine Himmelhebert play defensive tackle. That's what I want to see. Can he do it? Well, he's he's got that wide receiver body. So I don't know if they want to well, do that in week 9 Coach, and 10. Uh, Coach Balderson told me he thought he could go on the offensive line if he gave him a good week of practice. So I don't know. He may be up to that challenge at some point. God forbid they keep getting injuries or they may need to. to I'm sure he does it. not want to find out. No, really. he does not want to find out. I can tell you that much. He told me earlier this year this is the worst set of injuries he's ever dealt with as a head coach going back to all his years right well the one thing that'll make it if if the dukes are able to see week 11 they should be mentally tough and and ready for anything last game we'll mention in the ivc sandy valley and buckeye trail this had the potential to be a real showdown of two teams being unbeaten in uh divisional play in the ivc but buckeye trail got upset last week so sandy valley can win a league title for the first time since the senate league i think it's 1956 which I think is our stat of the year, Joe. I, I did not realize that that you know one of our programs had gone so long without a, a league title. That would be quite a feat for those young men if they were able to do that. Yeah, what a cool story that just kind of started a couple years ago in Sandy Valley. The way their program has just kind of uh, developed, and and the way Coach Gamble has taken over for you know uh, over the last couple of years and just developed you know Cameron Blair and. And uh, yeah, I it, it, this is a side note. I wonder how many people will try to hire Coach Gamble in the in the off season. Not that I'm trying to get rid of him. Yeah, I was gonna say Sandy Valley does not want to hear that, but uh, and, and he probably doesn't want to leave with uh, Blair still having two more years. You're talking about a guy that could probably challenge some of the the county you know passing records that were initially set by. You know, guys like, uh, you know, Ben McDaniels and then Charles Babb and uh, Hunter Wells, Mm -hmm. uh, Kemp, Kyle Kemp is way up there on the list. A lot of good names that we could see uh, Cameron Blair passing in the years to come if he stays healthy and keeps performing at the level he's at. And that's another team like we talked about with Louisville. They've got a lot of different receivers, and they've got some big guys like the the one uh, I think it's Bryce Kelly. It's about six five or so. They've got a lot of different targets. Uh, Coach Gamble uh, from Perry, probably grew up with a wing tee, but he's obviously learned some other tricks, and they spread the ball around. And uh, maybe the most impressive stats belong to the quarterback, Cameron Blair. Thirty touchdowns, four interceptions, and he's just over the two thousand yard mark. Those are those are big time numbers in Stark County. Yeah, and I, I got to think that uh, the effect of that is that playing football in Sandy Valley right now is really fun. They are going to they run a really fun offense and so if you're a good athlete there, you know you're going to win games, you know you're going to have a lot of fun in the offense if you if you're playing it. Um, and so I, I think that they're building towards something not just this year, but you know this is a program that's kind of on the rise in general. That's a game we'll be talking about Friday night. We will remind you that the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio for Friday, October 19th, is Maslin at Louisville. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. 
Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive is back in week nine as Perry and McKinley High Schools face the challenge. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Check back for another podcast late Friday night after week nine is complete. For Joe Scalzo and Cliff Hickman, I'm Chris Bevel.